Thank you, Ash. Woo! You know, I just want to honor the, uh, the leaders in this house. I want to thank Duncan and Kate for, uh, you know, just really opening the doors for us. You guys have been so loving and so kind. I, I just want to say that publicly. You guys are the real deal. I've known them for many, many years. I used to think Duncan was so, like... What is with this guy? You know, it's so strange. But then I'm like, man, he carries a fire that I want, you know? And so I just love him. And, uh, you know, we're just like, uh, uh, we're brothers and sisters, I guess, so to speak. Or you're the, I'm older than you, but you're like my big brother. So I just love you. Thank you so much. Marie and Ash are just incredible leaders. Can we just give them a clap too? Because I just want you to know... Um, just the culture, the culture that's been created in this church is really phenomenal. I want to say that from somebody's visits a lot of different churches and uh, just so many amazing people. Thank you, JT and Kathy as well and, and this team. And, you know, I have two thou shalt nots for my kids. Uh, thou shalt not have a motorcycle. Thou shalt not get tattoos. And Duncan rides a motorcycle, and Chris and Summer have tattoos up to their eyeballs, and I love them. So I don't know. All my shalt nots are gone out the window. I'm not sure what happened to my thou shalt not, but God is good. So, ah. Uh, Oh, yes, I, I got permission to just give a little pitch here. I, you know, your tithe, as, as said already, belongs here to your local church. Don't mess with the tithe, by the way. Just go to Malachi 3. That is the Lord's. The Lord just absolutely will bless you back. Put it that way. I want to encourage you about World Changers. World Changers is Catch the Fire's arm of the ministry that wants to, you just take these values, take what God has poured out across the nation. Canada, this has been well developed, the World Changers, but here in the United States, we're just asking people to, you know, ask the Lord if you would like to partner even on a monthly basis to bring revival to the United States. I really believe that Reinhard Bonnke got it right when he said, America shall be saved. And so uh, this is what this is about. Um, 10% of the giving is going to go to the poor or to some sort of outreach. 5% of that 10% or, you know, half of that 10% is going to the Durham outreach. Is Kelly here still or Justin Kelly? They lead the Durham outreach. That's to the poor of the city, to the underprivileged, to the addicts. And then the other half, we feel we're going to do something with the border crisis. I'm not sure what. Uh, like just somehow help uh, even with that. There's a connection we have with Josh and Olivia uh, in the Mexico side. But so anyway, so it's to bring the values of Catch the Fire across America as well as, uh, um, you know, to the poor. There's three books I wrote back there, Raising Burning Hearts about parenting, or Convergence is about destiny, and uh, Lifestyle Divine Encounters is about prayer prophecy, the power of the word. They're at the table there. If you sign up any amount, you get a book. And so, Amen. Well, let's welcome the Holy Spirit. We want more. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your fire. You know, Lord, we love you. Hope, will you just come and breathe and brood? And Lord, we just say yes to those wells that you're, you're uncapping the living water. Hallelujah. Woo. Lord, let your glory fall. Hope. Yeah. Let your presence come. You know, just hold up your hands. I love this. The tangible presence of God, the glory of God. The word Hebrew in the Hebrew for glory is kabat. Weighty it means of substance, of, of that which is of his honor, of his splendor, 
of his excellence, his power. Lord, more, more. The glory, the weightiness, hope. The fire of your love, whoa, you can just feel that weightiness, weightiness. The weightiness of his presence, let it come. Let it come, oh God, because we want that which is transformative. It's you. You know, I, I heard during worship the phrase, um, uh, the condition, fibromyalgia, or it's like, uh, you know, energy sapping, whatever. Stand up if that is you. You've had something happen to you of energy sapping fibromyalgia. Let's stretch our hands to them. In the, and many, if there's others, just stand right over here as well. In the name of Jesus, this bows now to the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we took communion. He wants to get what he paid for. He wants to get what he paid for. By his stripes, we are healed. Healed in Jesus' name. It's almost like, uh, like a monkey on your back. Lord, break it right now. That comes off now. In Jesus' name, Ooh, fresh strength flows. Flows to the power of the Spirit. You know, there were so many women, as mentioned, that were healed of neck problems. Stand up if you have a stiff neck, neck, shoulder issues. I believe that the Lord wants to heal this. As if we think, oh, this is kind of just what I'm going to have to live with. No, I feel like God wants to break our belief system that says that pain or whatever, it is trespassing on your body. This is not normal. <laughs> this is not normal Christian living, put it that way. Lord, stretch out your hand to heal in the name of Jesus healing through the neck healing through the back healing right now yeah back pain as well stand up healing in Jesus name that neck pain back pain Holy Spirit come like a wonderful chiropractor Ho! fire 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 let your glory come in Jesus name healing through the power of the blood of Jesus who ho ho in Jesus name lower back pain even uh, that sciatic right now in Jesus name off 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 through the power of the blood of Jesus whoa let your fire fall let your glory come more the weightiness of your presence God the weightiness of your glory ho yes Lord in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, fire of God flows. Fire of God flows. This is not normal. It comes off. It comes off. In Jesus' name. Indigestion as well comes off. Uh, in Jesus' name. Ho. Oh, fire of God. Just, just wave at me if you feel something is shifting or something feels different or something feels better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come up here, darling. What happened? Let's just hear one testimony. God is so good. Wow, look at you. Woo, woo. There's a determined woman right there. Yeah. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis due to long-term chronic stress. And um, I, my back doesn't hurt. My hip feels weird because I think, I think God grew my leg out. Wow. He does that sometimes to heal backs. Yeah. Wow. How's your energy level? I'm... I, I'm, I feel like I had a million cups of coffee. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to see you do that march again. Do that march with, oh my good, look at her. Somebody give praise to Jesus, he's so good. Come on, Lord, more. Ah, wow. The weightiness of the glory of God.
Huh. Wow. I just, I hear in my spirit, learning disabilities are being healed in Jesus' name. Learning disabilities. Father, all across this room or those with children with, with dyslexia or reading difficulties or, Father, we speak healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. There's a tangible difference going to happen in those with learning disabilities. Thank you, Lord. How? Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Woo. Well, we're going to talk this morning about revival and about just the what God is pouring out. And I believe that he is uh, absolutely sending a worldwide revival. But I tell you, there will be places, there will be centers, there will be starting places uh, that it's like pinpoints of fire, you know, and, and then he's going to join it all into a blazing fire. How many of you know the prophecy that there will be a great ingathering of the harvest of souls before Jesus comes and splits that sky? The definition in Wikipedia of revival, Christian revival, spiritual renewal of a life of a church, either regionally or globally, and it's accompanied by mass conversion of souls. Uh, reformation is referring to that which, returning to that which was originally intending or returning to a clean slate, which is really going back to what was originally intended right here in the book uh, that uh, obviously the Lord wrote. But I also believe that God is about to send revival, not just in churches, but also in the world, in the marketplace, in every sphere of society, where, you know, my friend Stacy Campbell, she calls it the revival of nine to five. <laughs> it's like that day we would see revival in the offices and in the streets and in the political political offices and in the media and arts entertainment have you noticed how many believers there are you know uh, rising up let's say in the sports industry isn't it awesome to see what God is doing with these witnesses and so there's a, uh, a revival not just I believe in the church but outside the church but I believe that it takes us as God's people to be burning and shining lamps. Uh, I, I feel, you know, I can't imagine trying to say to the world, you know, come and be like me, dead and bored and dull. Did anybody want to sign up for that? But I think well, they will want to sign up for where we're on fire, where we have something so good that we can't help that, but give it away. It's like Jeremiah said, you know, the word of the Lord is like fire in my bones. I can't help but prophesy. And so it is, John Wesley said, I set myself on fire and they come and watch me burn. Come on church, it's time to burn. It's time to burn for him in this revival fire that I believe is, is sweeping the planet. You know, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes in greater influence over regions or over centers, it's like this, it's like there's an easier, there's more of an ease to see souls saved. There's more of an ease to see miracles happen. How many of you know, like in the Welsh revival, in the Hebrides revival, in that Welsh revival, the presence of God was so thick that they would get saved in the coal mines. And then these tears would streak down their face as all the, the coal would be, you know, you could see the streaks. How many of you know that the donkeys or the mules didn't know what to do because they were used to commands that were swear words and the saved guys didn't swear anymore. The donkeys are like, what am I, I don't know what to do. You know, can't imagine. They needed to see an angel, I guess, like Balaam's donkey. But, you know, there's something that's brewing now that God is saying. So in 16 months ago, I was crossing the border from Canada to, uh, I, from the Fort Erie border to Buffalo and then going on to Washington with my daughter. Six o'clock in the morning and we were just going to some meetings there in the mall. Some of you were there. 
And the Holy Spirit hit the car. I was tired. I wasn't thinking about America or revival or I was just thinking about driving. And all of a sudden, I'm on this bridge and the Lord speaks to me. He said, I am coming with revival in America. I am coming with a sweeping move of glory across the United States. And all of the things that are happening in America and natural disasters or whatever, it's like, it's, what he was saying is that the enemy is raging about what I'm going to do in America. And I believe it. I believe that the Lord, you know, I was just so taken aback by that. I didn't know that it would be here, you know, 16 months later. And so I, I, this convoluted journey, as I say. But do you know that in the last 30 days, there's been 516 tornadoes in May alone. There's been 934 tornadoes this year in America. 10 million people in the Midwest in particular are out of homes right now because of flooding. What is going on? I don't know exactly, but I do believe that Isaiah 60 has a key when it says that arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Deep darkness may cover the earth and darkness the earth, but, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. There's something about the Lord is, uh, you know, turning things for good. Somehow, somehow you know what? Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. All right. He turns all things for good. And so there's something about us getting a, another glimpse of like, God, you're good no matter what. God, you're in charge no matter what. God, come in this situation and turn lives and turn hearts to you. There's something I also feel like there's a, 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 a the hearts of people are turning towards the Lord. I, I saw a count of the one hurricane actually where these people, a whole slew of them were saying, you know, I didn't believe in God, and I just, I, 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 but right, they went through this disaster of the hurricane, they actually turned, I'm not saying that God allowed the hurricane to turn hearts to him, but I do believe that the Lord will turn all things for our good. Some of you are going through pressure right now, some of you are going through difficult times. It was uh, Bob, um, Bobby Connor, who prophesied back in November, he said 2019 is going to start a little rough. It's going to be tears, but it's going to be tears that turn us to the Lord in a new way. And then those tears are going to turn into tears of laughter as we see God is good. God is so good. I don't know how many of you have been going through some squeezing. Anybody? I'm the only one. I'm the only one in this place. Oh my goodness, look at that. But I tell you, it's a transition season. It's like that time when the baby turns in the womb. It's called transition. There's squeezing. There's pressure. But God is about to birth something phenomenal. 2020, it's been prophesied again and again and again. Bob Jones and many others. Watch out for 2020. The harvest of souls is going to come in unlike we've ever seen before. There's brewing of, of things happening that are just extraordinary. I don't know how many of you know... Um, you know, uh, Paul Kane, when he talked about, he prophesied years ago about stadium Christianity, that it was going to be on the news that there's no bad news to report tonight because there's only good news. And the stadiums are filled with these Christians worshiping Jesus. Do you want to know something? Uh, the Send, how many of you know in Orlando there was this stadium event and, and now the, the, it's interesting because the, uh, there's Arrowhead Stadium. It's actually in Kansas City. There's been many prophesied about that, that stadium being filled and that stadium leaders contacted uh, the people who organized the Send. They said, will you do what you did in Orlando? Will you come to Kansas City and do it in our stadium? How many stadiums ask you to come and do a Christian meeting? 
We've just been invited to fill the, uh, Cashfar USA has been invited to fill the stadium in Asheville. It's not as big as, you know, some of those other stadiums, but come on, something's up, church. Something's up. I believe it. I believe that God is brewing and God is moving and God is saying that this is not like ordinary times. It's not business as usual. And there's a wake-up call. There's a wake-up call. I can't believe I just did that. But anyways, <laughs> hope this is not my first and last time to speak on the stage on a Sunday morning, but I do think we need to wake up. Come on, church. It is not ordinary times. According to Christianity Today, there's over 600 million Pentecostal Christians living on earth today. Michael Thornton, who is a guy that uh, JT in, uh, introduced us to and Kathy, he is a, uh, a master's degree from the, uh, of theology from Regent University. And he said this, he said that 70 million of those believers can trace their Pentecostal roots back here to North Carolina. How many of you know that there is a Dunn, the Dunn Revival uh, in North Carolina, but also across the Carolina? There was such sweeping revival, they called it Azusa Street East. This was the Pentecostal uh, hotbed uh, of the Pentecostal movement. And this, uh, you know what, um, this is, we're on Page Street in Lumley, right? Page and Lumley. If you go down Lumley right here, down four streets, if you turn right, there's a street called Bonnie Bray Street. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Because the revival in Los Angeles did not actually break out on Azusa Street. It broke out on Bonnie Bray Street. And a house in Bonnie Bray Street, and it couldn't contain the crowd, so they went to Azusa Street. That street right here was named after that street for revival. This place is called the Worship Center. Some of you know Joe and Sarah Call. They built it because the Lord directed them to do this because revival was going to hit here. That there was a worship anointing. There's a worship sound. Come on. I believe that God is going to absolutely ignite, catch the fire worship and catch the fire music on a whole new level and a whole new degree. It's just our hearts turn to Him. I remember when... Um, you know, Bill Johnson was asked years ago about, you know, how did you create such a great worship, you know, culture? He's like, well, we didn't create it. We didn't, we didn't go out. All we did was worship. That's what he said. All we did was worship. Come on, church. We worship because he's worthy. But guess what? He comes as we worship. Put worship on in your home. Put worship on in your van. Surround your life with worship because guess what? The angels are retracted and the demons are repelled. And there's something that shifts in us that absolutely changes. You are worthy of my worship, oh God. You are worthy. You know, I had this encounter a few years back. It changed my life. I was worshiping the Lord and I just, all of a sudden, in the spirit, was taken to heaven. Not my body, my spirit. And I know what you think about that, but I don't know. All problems go to Murray and Ash. How's that? <laughs> but all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these people who I knew. You know things there you don't know here. I knew they were my ancestors. And my mother, uh, she's, her maiden name is Corvairs, which is actually French. Although my parents were born and raised in Holland. I was born in Canada, but I come from a Dutch background. But my mother's ancestors were French. Corvairs, it's French. Because they were Huguenots. The Huguenots, look it up in your history books, but they were persecuted believers and they had to flee because the Inquisition, 20,000 were slaughtered in one day. My ancestors fled to Holland. All of a sudden I'm seeing these people, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not dead yet. And I'm seeing these people and I saw my grandmother and she was, ah, 
I'm like, what's happening to me? And all I heard was this. I heard these words. Your race is over. Your time is not done. We are cheering you on. Patricia, tell them of this place and tell them he's worth it all. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. Do you want to know something? It gave me another view of the great cloud of witnesses. Do you know that there's people that are cheering us on? Come on, church. This is our day and this is our hour. There's batons that are being passed. There's some, and guess what? He's worth it all. Every choice we make for righteousness, every decision we make to seek his face, everything that we, you know, bypass, you know, the worldly things, it's like, come on, when we all get to heaven someday, we'll high five each other. I like your outfit. You're looking pretty shiny today. But guess what? Oh, we finished the race. We ran it. We finished strong. We got the crown. Come on. He's worth it all. And here's the deal. We want to take as many people as we can with us to that place. You know what? I actually thought for years, I thought, ah, my contribution to the body of Christ is I can be a prophetic voice. And, and I got, I tell you, I got slammed by the Holy Spirit. He said, guess what? If you're a believer, you're a soul winner. If you're a believer, you're a soul winner. I was like, oh man, I didn't know. I thought that was the evangelist's job. No, everybody is called to the great commandment. Love the Lord, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love others as you love yourself and go make disciples of all nations. Guess what? You know, some of us, we're not with you at your job. You're there and that means the Holy Spirit's there. You know, can look at that job as those are your disciples. Whoa, moms, those are your disciples. Those kids raising godly kids. That's the best discipleship right there. Fathering godly kids. And there's something here, as, uh, you know, I, I, I know you told me to say the same thing. I have a story coming though. We were in Iceland together, Duncan and Kate, years ago. We were at this table of 21 people, massive house, great things. He's showing, I don't know how this came to be, showing you pictures of Niger. And this one guy that was a nomadic leader that heard that the true God was the God of the West. And he started walking west and he walked 2,000 kilometers west and all he came across was his own tribe or his own people and he never found the God of the West. Turned around to come back, 2,000 kilometers, comes back, you know kilometers, is that okay? You're Americans, I realize, but it's a long way, put it that way. <laughs> turns around to come back and guess what happens? He meets a friend of ours, his name is Terry, and he comes to Jesus. That nomadic leader now has led many, many others to Jesus. But there was something about that story that got me. I was like, somebody had to walk 2,000 kilometers to try to find the true God. And something gripped me for souls. I'm like, God, you know, I remember this lady years ago, this, this, she broke all the prophetic rules, all the prophetic rules. She stuck a bony finger in my face and she said this, do you love your ministry or do you love souls? Ah, ah, I think I love my ministry. Oh God, help me. It was like a total conviction to really care about the fact that people were going to a Christless eternity. I remember weeping like a baby. I wept so hard. I went under the table of the dining table. I snot ran. They still marked the spot in that carpet. I know those people. They marked the snot carpet. I don't know. Anyways, and I came out of that experience, changed forever, and a few other ones like that, of the fact that I all of a sudden cared about the fact that there were people that needed to know Jesus. 
And something is going to grip us, I feel, I believe, that there are people, this is real. This is real. There really is a heaven, there really is a hell. Check out 400 scriptures in the Bible that talk about hell. And so there are centers even on the earth, that actually are special. Jerusalem obviously is a special place, and you can read, I can give you verses, but God has chosen that. Shechem, a place by the well. There was, you know, the place where Abraham first met with God. It's the place also where Jesus comes to that woman of the well, and the whole town gets transformed. Stratford is where, uh, is my hometown. It's where uh, John and Carol Arnett also planted the first church. I knew them back then. But do you want to know something? Uh, we were associate pastors for eight years in uh, Toronto, then asked to go back to Stratford as the senior leaders. And I wasn't too happy about the, you know, the, the call because it was going back to my hometown. The church wasn't doing so well. The founder, uh, the streets were found on the Freemasonry symbol, if you know what that is. And um, there was just a lot of drugs, uh, world-class Shakespearean theater, but not good, you know, like a lot of stuff wasn't so good. And I'm just like, God, you know, are you sending me out to pasture? I'm too young. And, you know, help me, Lord. What did I do wrong? You know, it's punishment, banishment, you know. And, and then the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, Patricia, I do not send you out to war to lose. I send you out to war to win. And there was something about a mentality that needed to shift Powerful and pitiful can't be, you know, coexisting. It's something about choose, you know, and I thought, I think I'll choose powerful. So it was like when the Lord started to say, just declare I'm Lord of the city. Start to say that, you know, declare it, speak it, pray it, whatever, which we did. I just want to say this, that God so came. The first thing that something was changing was the prodigal sons and daughters came to Jesus. They wept at the altar as they gave up their drug addictions, their sex addictions, their whatever. Still to this day, I know a lot of them, they're running after Jesus. As well as the drug problem, I'm not kidding, but the seedy hotel across from the YMCA, it just mysteriously burned to the ground one day. It was the, it was the hotbed for drug deals. It was gone. Drug houses burned up, blew up. There was one guy, he was known in the community as a shady character. He dealt the drugs to the high school. He slept with high school students. He was a 33 degree Mason and he showed up at church one day. And we're like, oh my, he's in church. And he started to weep so uncontrollably. He went to the men's bathroom to get himself together. He came out, I'm preaching on the judgment seat of Christ. It was a good message. That guy got saved that day. That took out the drug supplies to the high school. And he came to my husband, he said, you know, I think I need to go to the police and tell them what I've done. And he's like, my husband's like, you're going to go in jail. And he's like, yeah, whatever. But he said, I'm willing because, you know, because he was so radically saved that he wanted that guilt off his chest. Guess what? He went to the police, he went to jail, but he's saved and still saved today. I believe that God wants to absolutely revolutionize. Now, what happened, by the way, is we studied Stratford, and we've discovered that, you know, the go-forths, even my kids know go-forth kids, the go-forth, Jonathan go-forth came from Stratford, missionary to China. Uh, Amy Simple McPherson, born 20 minutes from Stratford, she pastored in Stratford for a period of time. We said, read egg the wells, you know. John G. Lake, I investigated, I knew he was from uh, close to Stratford. I investigated the library where his birthplace was, of St. Mary's, five minutes from Stratford. We said, read egg those wells to God. John and Carol Arnett, on and on and on. Justin Bieber, God bless him, comes from our church in Stratford. And I tell you, there was a, there's a revival. Sometimes there's revival wells. Do you want to know something? God is looking for those that we redig revival wells. There is something here. 
in this area. There's revival history in different cities and different regions, but Raleigh-Durham has a revival history. Let me just say this, after studying a few of this, and uh, I was asking Murray and Ash this morning, because I remember this prophecy that Murray was sharing in one of our meetings, but it's this guy who, um, he talked about the breakthrough revival, the winds of change, healing revival. The angels are looking for the sons and daughters of the kingdom to start decreeing and moving in faith. As we begin to speak as God's authority on the earth, all of heaven will come to back our words. The angels are being released to facilitate the will of God on the earth. He said, I saw Interstate 40 running through the middle of the United States. Isn't that just down the road here? It says, and he said, Bob Jones had seen a similar vision last year called the 40 Revival Highway. In this vision, we saw a similar thing where key regions overrun with angelic activity and explosions of the power in the glory of God. Starting on the East Coast, I saw Raleigh, Greensboro, Asheville, North Carolina engulfed in flames. And they were of the brightest revival flames burning on the map as raw hunger would be the fuel that would feed these revivals. Somebody get excited, please. I knew you would be, Duncan. Thank you. Come on. This is incredible. God has chosen, he's chosen special places or centers or, you know, I, I feel it in my bones. I mean, what am I doing here? Yes, I had that word from the Lord, but I never would have thought. It's like this convoluted journey as God just brought us here, but uh, I feel like I'm burning for what is in the land. What is here? What is in the center? What God is speaking and saying that he wants to do? And it's like for us to get on heaven's agenda. You know that word, it just reminds me of Daniel 9, Daniel 10. When Daniel Daniel's crying out to the Lord. He knows about Jeremiah's prophecy about the 70 years of captivity. And then he starts to repent and say, God, forgive us and my ancestors. What happens? The angel comes, right? Michael, the archangel, takes out the prince of Persia. Go read it, Daniel 10. What does he say? The angel says, because of your words, I have come. I have because, because of your words, I have come. Come on, church. Let's start speaking some words to God. Come, Lord. Come in my family. Come in my marriage. Come in my children. Come in this region. That there's something about, you know, God won't do your part and you can't do God's part. We need him, but he's asking for us to partner with him. Do you want to know something about this area of the Carolinas? It is said to be the womb of revival for the South. Here are some, um, by the way, Derek Prince prophesied on April 6, 1975, about a revival greater than the Welsh revival out of North Carolina. What we have here, these are the movements of the spirit that have gone to the south through North Carolina. The Quaker movement gone on to the south, the Baptist movement, the Moravia movement, the Methodist movement, the Southern Pentecostal movement. There is something about this womb of revival that's on the Carolinas. I believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm a Canadian for heaven's sakes, okay? But there's something, there's something about God saying, God saying, maybe it takes, a, I don't know, maybe it takes somebody that's from the outside to say, do you know what you're sitting on? Do you know, do you know what you're sitting on? You're sitting on a keg. That's what you're sitting on, a keg of revival. Wells of revival. Wells of glory. That God is saying, come on, let's dig them up. Let's just cry out. 
And again, I believe that this is, is going to sweep the church, but it's going to sweep, you know, the area. I don't know why, but I've been feeling this. I don't even know much about it. The triangle, right? Isn't it like the research center? I see a whole bunch of smart people getting saved. Come on. Hi, techie guys. You know, techie guys live in their head. They're going to start to live in their heart more because God is speaking. You know, in the old covenant, there was this uh, thing that if you touch something unclean, you became unclean. However, in the new covenant, Jesus changes everything. He forgives all who came to him. Instead, when Jesus touched the unclean leper, the leper became clean. And there's something about this. Listen to this Bill Johnson quote. I grew up in a time when it was typically thought that anyone who really loved God passionately should be a pastor, missionary, and evangelist. It was not even questioned. If somebody had an unusual passion for God, it was normal to send them to a foreign land to serve. I'm sure there were some cases that that was the right thing to do. It is the underlying concept that I have problems with. The approach means we have to automatically remove our most influential and passionate people from our community life. Passion breeds passion. By sending them far away, we remove the leaven of passion from our business community, our education system, and from the rest of our culture. How tragic and completely unnecessary. But with the idea that everyone is a minister, God was going after our ideas about the secular and the sacred. The notion that ministry is sacred and that work outside the church is secular would have to change. The lines we've always drawn between the two have to be erased. The significance of the call is not found in the assignment. It is found in the one who called us. Do you know that the same Hebrew root word for work, avadah, is worship? Work as worship. Do it unto the Lord. Bring God into your job. Bring God into wherever you go. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by stories. I just literally ordered the book this, this morning uh, called Giving All, Our, Giving All Our Money and Getting It All Back <laughs> by David Green. David Green started Hobby Lobby. Anybody like Hobby Lobby? Um, I think we need more Hobby Lobby out here. I think it's more in the Midwest. But Hobby Lobby started in the garage of David Green's uh, house as they put uh, picture frames together. He was one of six sons born to a pastor and his, and his wife. They were ingrained with the Word of God, the Word of God and missions. And, and all of his brothers went into full-time ministry in a pulpit or in missionary work. But he had an inkling for business. And he became at one point the young, in his 20s the youngest manager of a certain level in America. He called his mom and said, Mom, I've become the youngest manager of this level in business. And she said, that's very nice, son, but when are you going to do something for the Lord? And yet he had this call and this gifting in business. Do you want to know something? Hobby Lobby today affects one-third of the world's population. How many of you have the Bible app on your phone? I do. That's paid for by Hobby Lobby. They give more than 51% of their pre-tax income, family-owned company. How many of you know they went to the Supreme Court and they won? And so they have funded uh, Bible translation. They have funded solar Bibles, chip Bibles, the Bible Museum in Washington. On and on and on and on and on how God has ridiculously blessed this company and this business. I believe that's ministry. What do you think? What about Chick-fil-A? Oh, come on, Chick-fil-A. You know, for the first time ever, some, what was it here as a conference? Uh, Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Oh my goodness, I was like, chicken for breakfast? This is actually really good. I've never had chicken for breakfast till I got here. Chick-fil-A closed today. And uh, 
Chick-fil-A is now number three in America for fast food restaurant. Even after all of the um, hubble-a-baloo and boycotting, whatever, standing for Christian values, standing for godly principles, closed on Sundays. Come on, God wants to bless Christian businesses. Our son Judah, uh, our son Judah's 28 years old. My husband, you know, have you ever had spell check? My, my husband's like spell check for me. Anybody have a husband like that? Correcting me. Anyway, it's fine. I love it. Okay, Judah, uh, I said in the first service, uh, Judah's 28. I said he's, the, uh, the, the, uh, he's been promoted recently to the manager of the company. That's true for the branch that he's in, which is in the Stratford, uh, um, Milverton area. Our son, 28 years old, had just been promoted to lead that entire branch of the company. And there are people in there that have worked there for longer than he's been alive. He's 28 years old. He has a favor of God upon him. He's a worship leader in the church there that we used to pastor. He's been the youth pastor. And God has kissed that young man with an anointing for business. And you know what? We, we honestly, I just want to say this. We repented to him recently and a few years ago. We just said, Judah, we're asking you to forgive us for in any way that we have in any way subtly or, or, or exuded the fact that ministry means pulpit because you are anointed for ministry in the business realm. The kid has favored the owner of the company. When he hired him, he said this to us. He said, I made a position for that Bootsma kid because I wanted the favor on his life in my company. I wanted that favor in my company. That company has gone absolutely ballistic with incredible blessing on it. Do you know, we have friends, their names are Dirk and Anita, Matt. And when Dirk was 18 years old, he was watching water in a stream or a river, and there was some garbage or sludge, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said this, you are going to be the answer, part of the answer to that problem. He went on to become an environmental engineer. He got a master's in environmental engineering. He started a company, it's called Cycorp, I believe it is. It's now been also partnered with Waste Management. As he got this idea from God about how to make sewage uh, I, I don't know, simplifying it better, smell better, you know, taking away um, impurities and, and the flies and that sort of thing. When we went to Kansas City, I remember praying with him. His wife is an intercessor. It always helps to have an intercessor in your family, by the way, praying for your business. But his uh, Kansas City has these big billboards said, we're redoing our sewage. That's our friend's company. As they got the contract for Kansas City, they just got the contract for LA. And now they are also in 11 countries of the world helping to save lives by taking sewage and removing impurities. It's literally causing disease to go down, water to be purified. Come on, somebody say amen. That is an idea from God. I believe that God wants to give his people problem-solving solutions to the world's problems. Do you think maybe? Wow. You know, the in innovation uh, in Israel is off the charts, you know, but there's, I tell you, God is wanting to give ideas. I have in my one book here about how dreams, how God is giving dreams to people of, of, of you know, like um, Niels Bohr with the structure of the atom, Frederick Banting with, um, with penicillin and the guy who invented in in insulin or discovered insulin. These are all came in God-given dreams. God is pouring out something extraordinary. Our daughter, uh, Aquila, she is uh, 24, just turned 24. She married a, a man from Switzerland. He's a, he's a great guy. He, uh, 
is from the, you know, from Switzerland is, is uh, Geneva, is French speaking. And they lived for two years in Geneva as he worked at this big company. And now he's, they're in the French speaking province of Quebec. He's getting his MBA. And she uh, works for the House of Prayer there. But anyways, while they were in Geneva, I would visit them at times and see the wall of reformers, John Knox, John Calvin, John Huss, huge wall of reformers. And I studied the history of Geneva. Do you know it was the stinkiest, most, look it up, most rotten, smelliest city in all of Europe. Rats were in the street. People would dump their garbage out of the windows. And it was like the place where nobody wanted to go. Do you know that Geneva was so revolutionized by the preaching of John Calvin? John Calvin came and he not only preached, check this out, 98% of Geneva were born again at one point under John Calvin. 98% of the people in the entire city. And not only that, but he established reformation. He set, for example, a 4% interest rate that they were no longer to you know, charge exorbitant interest that the poor can never afford to pay back loans. And that 4% interest rate uh, stayed for centuries afterwards, as well as businesses. And I mean, we could go on and on. Have you ever been to Norway where there's this... Um, Hans Nielsen Haga. Hans Nielsen Haga. You know what he did? He went on snowshoes and skis to bring revival all across Norway, where he also not only was a man who preached the gospel and raised up churches and, and places of prayer, but he also brought reformation to the community. We could go on and on and on about people in, in, in India. And you know what? God is looking to transform society. Here, I believe, are some things about how we can live or cultivate a revival culture. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no revival without the Holy Spirit. You know what was so awesome? How many of the ladies were here, right here? Kate, you were with me. All these women that were getting filled with the Spirit yesterday. Wasn't that awesome? We saw people speaking in tongues for the first time. One girl was so excited, she was jumping up and down. She's like, speaking in tongues for the first time. I love it. Come on. The power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I was 19. I had been prayed for uh, uh, when I was 17 to receive the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. <clears throat> I thought I wasn't good enough. I didn't think maybe God wanted me to have it, the power of the Holy Spirit. But eight, uh, two years later, I was awakened every night at 2 a.m. in my. I was home for the summer from university, and I was frightened out of my mind as I literally saw demonic beings. I heard them. Things would fall off the wall or move in my room. And I'm like 19. I wanted to go sleep with my parents. It was really embarrassing. But I was like, I don't have any authority. And so I went to a pastor and I just said, can you pray for me? I need this. You know, I, I, I've been searching. I've, I've had encounters, but I need this power. He prayed for me. The fire of God went down my body. I drove back to my room, driving, and I was receiving the gift of tongues in the car. Went to my bedroom, said, in the name of Jesus, get out. It was the first time I slept in three weeks. Church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to pray today for a baptism of fire. More of your glory, more of your fire. Things we need to shift, as we mentioned, about the revival mentality. Our minds need to shift. Get renewed in the spirit of your mind, says the word of God. Big God, itty-bitty devil. Great big God, itty-bitty devil. The power of the praise, the power of worship and praise. I really believe this. The uh, South Korea, do you know that South Korea has been now um, 
10 of the 11 largest mega churches in the world are all in Seoul, Korea. Seoul, Korea has been leading uh, prayer and worship 24-7 since 1973. Uh, in 1900, there was no churches allowed in Korea. There was no Catholics. All of them were cast out. All the Protestants cast out. But one guy, his last name was Thomas. I remember uh, saying this story, and one of the Korean believers in my church, in the church in Toronto came running up to me afterwards and said, I know about that guy. He was martyred, but he threw Bibles into the crowd of the mobbed and killed him. Somebody took those Bibles and began to read those Bibles. Today, South Korea is 33% Christian. 33% of them are Christians. God is moving. So prayer and worship, they've led this. Malachi 1.11, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, the name of the Lord shall be made great. And every place incense shall be offered. Can I have the Rivieras come back up? And my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Again, this is a worship center right here. There's power. There's authority. There is a revival culture. It is to be a regular expectation of the miraculous. I don't know how many of you know that it is, you know what, it is easier to go on with the sermon. I'm sure those of you that preach know this. It is easier to just get up there and, oh, I can, you know, maybe lean on a gift. But then when the Lord whispers, go for healings, go for miracles, you're like, oh, okay, God, I'm, you got to do this. How many of you know that you take risks? You take risks when you do that. You risk. God is looking for risk takers. Remember hearing this prophetic guy preaching and he said, you know, we're, we're asking them to grow in words of knowledge. And then we say, go for it. You know, try to get four things about this person that you wouldn't know. And how many of you got four things? Yay. How many got three things? Yay. Right. How many of you got it right? Four things. How many of you got nothing right? And they, people that raise their hand, you know what they do? They get a standing ovation for those that got nothing right. Why? Because they say, we honor you for taking risks. Church, it's time to take some risks with God. It's time to get out of that boat and walk in the water and say, uh, Kate preached a great message yesterday about Ezekiel's river. The river, read it again, Ezekiel 47. The river ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, but then what? Over your head. Anybody, you know what? Over your head is a bit scary. It's like I'm out of control. I'm in this place right now. I'm, I'm back to when I was 19 and had 10 bucks to my name. <laughs> was it, I don't know what, how old, 18 maybe. I was in nursing school. My tuition was paid, but I only had $10, nothing in the bank. And I remember the Lord speaking to me a nudge and said, put that $10 in the offering plate. I'm like, <laughs> last 10 bucks. Okay, gave it to God. At the end of the week, somebody gave me $100. Somebody else gave me three bags of groceries. I learned something I've never forgot. Give to God, and He will give back to you. He's faithful. Come on. He's faithful. He's faithful. We can risk. We can try. We can step out. We can look like a fool. I'll be even more dignified than this. Maybe you think I'm a little crazy. That's okay. Guess what? He really loves me. My father really loves me. I didn't know that before. I do now because I was this insecure, broken, hurting little farm girl who milked cows before going to school. That's what I did. When the Lord called me on that Canadian farm and he said, you're going to preach, you're going to teach, you're going to travel the world and tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, uh, I'm a girl and I don't see any women in ministry because the church I was raised in, women did nothing but make tea and put out the cake. So I'm like, God, uh, and you know what? 
Somewhere along the line, I decided to agree with God. Heaven and hell. Let's all stand. Heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are looking for human agreement. Who will you agree with? A regular expectation of the miraculous. In a revival culture, the word must be preached. How will they know unless somebody preaches? Ah. I'm a mother of six kids, farm girl. What am I doing preaching? I don't know. I just said yes. I believe that God is calling people to just say yes. Whatever it looks like, we need the spirit of the living God in every sector of society. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these prophecies. Thank you for this well. Thank you for Duncan and Kate, you know, who came and heard the word of the Lord. I just want to say this. Doesn't, Duncan and Kate cannot do revival on their own. It takes every one of us. Every one of us. The nameless, the faceless, the, you know, the moms, the students, the, all of us saying, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, whoa. There's a worldwide revival that we're on the precipice of. I know it, I see it. Habakkuk 2.14, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Arise, shine, glory. Glory, glory, the Lord is risen upon you. Glory, the Lord will shine on you. You and in me. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. I, I feel an urgency in my heart. I'm going to step out here, and I hope it's okay. But I feel there are people in this place. You've been wrestling with God. Ash gave a, gave a beautiful invitation earlier. And I see people, that you've been wrestling with God. There's been this wrestle of really giving everything to the Lord in terms of Him being number one, of Him taking place. I see like these Jacob wrestling. And there's been this, uh, this struggle, this struggle. You know what I learned on the farm? You couldn't crack open the shell that the little chick was being born in. You had to let that chick peck at the shell. You had to let that chick wrestle in terms of with that shell. If you tried to help them, they would die. But I see the Lord has been putting, like there's something that it's time to peck at the shell. It's time to say, I will not be confined any longer in this encasement that I feel like I'm in. God is speaking, I believe, to people here today. It's time to really be all in. We're going to pray for a baptism of fire in a moment. But if that's you, you know who you are. You've been wrestling with God. Wrestling. Come, come up here. Let's pray for you right now. There's a surrender. There's a full-on. There's a give God the last 2%. There's something about put all your chips in the middle of the table and bet it all on Jesus. You are being called right now to a full-on, full-on surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. There's been a wrestling. There's been a wrestling. There's been a, 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 a struggle with God. I know what it's like. I've been there. Saved when I was 12, but I so wrestled at times. Ah, just want to do my will, you know. And 
Somebody told me this years ago. I sure see it. It's true. If you knew all the facts, you'd always choose God's way. If you knew all the facts of where your life is going to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you'd always choose God's way. Uh, can we just say this together? Say this, everybody in this place. Jesus, I give you everything. I don't want to hold anything back any longer. I don't want to be the one in charge of my life any longer. I want to surrender my schedule. I want to surrender my mind. I want to surrender my relationship. Say it. I want to surrender my heart. I want to surrender my, my money. Take it. Take it all. Come on, take it all. Just take it all. Jesus, I, I see this refining fire, this, this mixture getting burned up because he's coming without measure on a people without mixture. It's coming without measure with the people without mixture. Take the mixture, God. Take it, take it, take it. It's not worth it. Take unforgiveness, take bitterness, take, take the wrestle to, you know, that person that's so important that you're pursuing this person more than you're pursuing God. Put it on the altar today put that relationship on the altar the dating relationship or that somebody you know what I'm talking about come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit fire 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 now we're gonna ask anybody everyone in this place that wants the baptism of fire I don't know I'm just gonna trust God that he's gonna do it because come on up here let's just pray let's pray for fire the baptism of fire the glory you know what John the Baptist he he said it the Holy Spirit is coming he will baptize you the Holy Spirit and fire fire Even for those that you've never felt like you've been filled with the Spirit, you never felt like you've been able to speak in tongues, just get up here and let's believe for it. Let's pray for it. Let's believe for it. Just begin to open your mouth and speak worship. Or even as they sing, start to worship. You can't steer a parked car. So just open your mouth. Release the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Release the gift of tongues. God. God, let us not be the same when we go to work tomorrow, when we go into our office or our school or home or burn. Raise up the revivalist anointing upon all of us. Redig wells, God. Fire. travail to cry out right now uh, in some sort of prayer or some sort of 
come up here right to the front. You know, you know what I'm sensing? A travail coming upon some people. There's a travail of intercession. There's a birthing of the next level of what God wants to Where It's almost like there's midwives, midwives. I want you to give way to that. I want you to acknowledge there's something that you're, you're coming upon you right now, even to cry out, even to begin to pray, even to begin to do whatever. If, if it's okay, I just, you know, I'm not saying be wacky, be weird, but I am saying don't be afraid of man. Let the fear of man come off because there's something here of release the, the wailing, release almost like a, a cry of the mind. It's cry, cry. of the Lord. 